This is Global Tennessee, news analysis and commentary from the Tennessee World Affairs Council in Nashville. Global Tennessee is produced in association with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The World Affairs Council is a nonpartisan, nonprofit educational association, and the views expressed on Global Tennessee are those of the participants. This is Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening. Today we are going to be talking with uh, Anne Louise Colgan, the Director of Public Education at the United States Institute of Peace in Washington, D.C. Anne Louise is here with the Tennessee World Affairs Council and on USIP business uh, for a couple of days uh, in Nashville. Welcome to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, Anne Louise. Thank you, Pat. I'm delighted to be here. We uh, had a, a wonderful start to, to your visit uh, yesterday with the International Careers Panel that uh, you joined us on, and, and thanks uh, for that. But you were also here to visit uh, Centennial High School in Franklin, Tennessee, to talk with uh, the peace teacher there, one of uh, five, is it? Four. Uh, one of four mm-hmm. around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, peace teacher selected by the U.S. Institute of Peace, Cassie Bates. And we'll talk more about uh, your visit to Centennial High School. Uh, but first, tell us, uh, what is the United States Institute of Peace for those who might not have heard of it? Sure. The United States Institute of Peace is this country's national institution that's dedicated to preventing and resolving international conflicts without violence. We've been around since 1984. We were created by Congress. We are funded by Congress. And we do our work in a few different ways. Um, We, first of all, are experts on conflict prevention and conflict resolution overseas. So I work with some of the leading experts who are thinking about and working on conflict in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Nigeria, in other places around the world. Um, We publish books. We provide advice to policymakers. So we are a bit of a think tank in some respects, but we also work on the ground in conflict zones. And that's one of the things that sets USIP apart from a lot of the other organizations that work on these issues in DC. This is not just theory to us. We are working on the ground in conflict zones with offices in Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Tunisia, and Myanmar. And on any given day, colleagues from USIP are traveling to about 30 different conflict zones around the world, working with partners to prevent conflicts from becoming violent and to try to resolve them when they do. Well, it's, it's heartening to know that uh, the United States government has an institute of peace. We certainly put enough money into the other end of the spectrum of uh, engagement in the world. Uh, and we're going to talk more in the second segment of uh, the podcast today about some of the things that USIP is, is doing around the world and, and in Washington uh, to cultivate and uh, encourage and uh, facilitate uh, peace building in uh, man, many of the troubled uh, places around the world. But first, uh, let's let's find out about Anne Louise Colgan. How uh, how did you wind up being the director of public education at USIP? What's what's your background and uh, how did you wind up in Washington, D.C.? Um, I'm originally from Ireland, born and raised. I grew up right on the border with Northern Ireland at a time when there was a violent civil conflict that was raging not far from where I lived. Um, I was always interested in international issues, and so I got a master's in international studies, came to Washington, D.C. 20 years ago, 
and have worked at a variety of different organizations in town for the last two decades, but have been for eight years now at the U.S. Institute of Peace. And I'm very committed to the mission of USIP, and I am deeply convinced that peace building is possible because I saw it happen in Northern Ireland in a conflict that had gone on for 30 years um, and two sides that were very deeply entrenched and peace processes that were tried and tried and tried over periods of time and then were finally pushed into a peace agreement uh, two decades ago with the support of an American mediator, George Mitchell. Um, and so if peace is possible in a place like Northern Ireland, I believe it's possible anywhere. Um, and I think it's incredibly important to spread that message and to be able to talk to the American people about the ways in which the US is working to build peace around the world and how USIP is doing this on behalf of the American people and using taxpayer dollars. And so my program at USIP engages the American people. It's public education and national outreach, and so I get to travel to places like Nashville, and I'm delighted to be here. We welcome um, groups from around the country to USIP, especially student groups when they visit our nation's capital. And really, we're about spreading the word about USIP, educating people about how conflicts can be resolved without violence around the world, and giving students and teachers and others opportunities to get engaged with USIP. Well, that's, that's terrific. And you were telling me your son gives you tips on... Uh how to conduct peace building? He sure does. He's five years old. Um, he's very proud that his mom works on peace. Um, and he gives me tips like, you know, make sure you tell kids not to yell in other kids' faces because that's not peace. That's not peace. That's not peace. But peace is being kind and sharing your food with people who don't have food. So he has some good insights for well, a little Well, it sounds like Cameron has uh, a future uh, ahead of him in peace building. That's, Here's hoping. That's, that's terrific. Now, uh, this is not your first uh, meeting with the Tennessee. World Affairs mm -hmm. Council. We we were uh, privileged to host uh, 18 months ago, I think mm -hmm. it was. Yes. Uh, uh, you were here uh, along with uh, Nancy Lindborg, the president of the U.S. Institute of Peace, for two and a half days of uh, visits with uh, various civic groups, uh, the, the Rotary Club, classrooms, uh, and we did a, a global town hall at uh, Belmont University. Uh, that was uh, quite a, a spectacular visit. I, I think Nancy uh, must have visited with uh, close to 900 people if you if you add up uh, all of the uh, students she spoke with mm -hmm. and members of the community. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Well, we, uh, we're pleased to have you back, and, and you're here to visit with uh, Cassie Bates, a teacher at AP Human Geography at mm -hmm. uh, Centennial High School in Franklin. Yep. Tell us about that. So Cassie is one of four peace teachers with whom USIP is working this year. The peace teachers program is one of my team's programs that engages educators across the country. It's in its fourth year this year, um, and we select a group of four educators, each representing a different state, and we work with them in depth over the course of the school year to enable them to bring peace and conflict issues and concepts to their students using USIP resources. So we've been working with Cassie and her students since August. Um, and as part of her participation in the Peace Teachers Program, somebody from USIP was intended to come visit her. And so I was delighted to have this opportunity to come back to Nashville. I spent the day at Centennial High School yesterday, spoke to five of Cassie's AP Human Geography classes. And then in the summer, Cassie will come to Washington, D.C. for the culminating year-end program, and she'll meet in person with the three other peace teachers from other states, South Dakota, Alabama, and Washington State. 
They've all been engaged virtually this year, so we've done virtual Google Hangouts once a month, um, but they won't have met in person until they all get together in July. So they'll come to USIP, they'll do a public event, they'll meet with our president, Nancy Lindborg, they'll go to Congress and talk to their members of Congress. Wow. And so it's going to be really a special couple of days in July. Um, well, that's, that's terrific. And Cassie uh, certainly deserves that. Uh, she's... Uh, we, we are familiar with Cassie's work over the years. She's been a teacher coach for our Academic World Quest program, a competition for high school students, and uh, she's uh, always involved in, in getting her students uh, thinking more about what's going on in the world and not just uh, in, uh, in the confines of the classroom, but doing uh, so many extra things. Uh, you were telling me that she's She's taking students overseas in the summer? Yeah, she's taking a group of students to Southeast Asia this summer, and that's not the first international trip that she's taking her students on. Um, and it was really fun to see her in her natural habitat yesterday with her students and to see her engaging with them and to be in her classroom, which feels very global. Um, and the students had really terrific questions. They were very engaged for a Monday morning, um, and we had, a, we had a great time. Well, a big, big tip of the hat to uh, Cassie Bates at uh, Centennial High School in, in Franklin, uh, helping her students and others in the community know know more about what's going on in the world. You're listening to the Global Tennessee Podcast. This is brought to you by the Tennessee World Affairs Council. We're talking with Anne Louise Colgan, the Director of Public Education at the United States Institute of Peace in Washington, a beautiful building uh, at the end of the mall across from the Lincoln Memorial in the State Department. If you're ever in uh, that neck of the woods in, in Washington, just uh, look to your left and you'll see a soaring atrium. Uh, it's really a stunning uh, piece yeah. of architecture. It is. It's beautiful. And it's intended to be a symbol that represents this country's commitment to peace. Um, and we're located in a pretty significant part of D.C. We like to think of it as the war and peace corner of the National Mall. We are in very close proximity to some of the most iconic sites in D.C. that pay tribute to our country's sacrifices in war. And we're a building that stands for our country's commitment to peace. And so we think that's pretty significant. Well, uh, when uh, when I was still commuting to Washington from from Tennessee uh, as uh, a newsletter publisher, I was driving across the Lincoln Memorial, uh, the link the uh, Memorial Bridge mm -hmm. from Northern Virginia to Washington, and the USIP building was under construction, and there was a soaring crane, as uh, many of the cranes we see dotting the, the landscape here in, in Nashville. And someone had uh, had unfurled a banner from the top of this crane, a huge banner that said uh, it had a uh, picture of the globe, the you know the, the Earth, the blue marble from outer space, and it said uh, "too big to fail." And it was about the time of the uh, recession, and uh -huh. we were talking about uh, banks being too big to fail. And I thought that was a you know a cute uh, advertisement for the U.S. Institute of Peace. It, it turns out it was Greenpeace protesting <laughs> the State Department, and some Greenpeace folks had climbed the top of this uh, crane and unfurled that banner. Wow. So uh, that was my first taking note of the uh, U.S. Institute of Peace building there at the uh, in Washington, D.C. Well, we're, we're going to be back with Anne Louise Colgan after a break, and we're going to talk more about the, the United States Institute of Peace and what they do around the world and, and in Washington. You're listening to the Global Tennessee Podcast from the Tennessee World Affairs Council. You're listening to Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council. We invite you to share your thoughts with us in email, info at tnwac.org. You can subscribe to the World Affairs Council newsletter on the website, tnwac.org. And you can like us on Facebook at Tennessee WAC, as well as follow us on Twitter at TNWAC. 
Don't forget to tell your friends about Global Tennessee and the World Affairs Council. This podcast and other educational programs from the World Affairs Council are supported by you and our sponsors. Are you interested in supporting global affairs awareness in your community? Visit TNWAC.org for more information. Welcome back to Global Tennessee. I'm Pat Ryan at the Tennessee World Affairs Council. Thanks for listening. We're uh, talking today with Anne Louise Colgan, the Director of Public Education at the U.S. Institute of Peace. And before we get into our second segment here, I'd just like to remind everyone that we have launched a new podcast as part of the Global Tennessee uh, service, and it is called Global Nashville with Carl Dean. And former Mayor Carl Dean is uh, a member of the board of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and he'll be talking uh, to uh, leaders from around the community about twice a month here under the umbrella of the Global Tennessee uh, Podcast Service uh, about what uh, what sorts of things make Nashville a global city, whether it's uh, economics, uh, business and industry, uh, culture, new Americas, uh, all the things that uh, we look at in Nashville and see a reflection of what's going on in the world. So look for the Global Nashville with Carl Dean podcast. It's available wherever you see Global Tennessee on uh, soundcloud.com slash TNWAC or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And it's a great uh, a great interview service that uh, he's uh, doing. And episode one is already uh, uh, loaded up. It's an interview that he did with uh, Matthew Wiltshire, the uh, current uh, Director of Economic and Community Development in Nashville. It was a really terrific uh, interview. So look for that wherever you get your podcasts. So we're talking with uh, Anne Louise Colgan, the Director of Public Education at the U.S. Institute of Peace in Washington. And she's here in Nashville for a couple of days uh, working with uh, one of the peace teachers, one of the four peace teachers from around the country that USIP sponsors for some great opportunities. And she's also uh, been working with us as a panelist on our International Careers and Jobs panel. Uh, We did a session at uh, Belmont University and have one uh, set for Tennessee Tech uh, University. So she's uh, been gracious enough to join us on those panels with a a host of other specialists from various sectors uh, of international affairs work. Uh, so, Anne Louise, uh, thanks again for coming to, to Nashville, for doing all the things you're doing. And we'd really like to learn more about the U.S. Institute of Peace and what uh, your colleagues are doing. There are, there are uh, obviously so many conflict zones around the world, uh, many of which we don't hear about uh, too often in the news. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you have uh, your brothers and sisters from USIP who are doing very important work. Why don't you tell us... Uh, what, uh, what goes on in, in a typical day uh, among your colleagues at USIP? Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, as I mentioned at the top, USIP is based in Washington, D.C., but works in conflict zones around the world. And so on any given day, colleagues are in places from Colombia to Nigeria to Pakistan. Um, our president, Nancy Lindborg, was in Iraq last week. Um, And she had a great opportunity to check in on some of USIP's programs there and meet with a number of our partners, from religious leaders to youth leaders who are working for peace in really practical ways in a country that has had to deal with a lot of violent conflict. USIP has been in Iraq for the last 15 years, and we have trained a network of Iraqi facilitators, given them the skills of conflict resolution and mediation so that they are then able to deal with conflicts that arise in Iraq 
um, inter-ethnic conflicts, other sorts of conflicts, and deal with those conflicts before they turn to violence. Um, and so find ways to bring stakeholders together and find common ground. And, and as uh, many of our listeners w- will know that after the uh, 2003 invasion in Iraq, the country was divided among uh, Shia, Sunni, and and the Kurds in the north, and that, that led to uh, years and years of uh, uh, radical violence uh, among competing militias and, and segments of, of the then divided up uh, pieces of, of Iraq. Absolutely. And so we have these wonderful Iraqi facilitators who help to prevent conflicts from becoming violent, but then also work in the aftermath of violent conflict to knit communities back together again. The challenge of reconciliation in a place like Iraq is a significant one. Um, And a lot of times when you have violence in a particular region, people will flee from that region with their families. They, you know, they they just don't want to live in a place that is torn apart by violence anymore. And so we have the challenge, and our partners on the ground have the challenge of stabilizing these places, and then being able to encourage people to return. And the, the measure, um, one measure of success in a place like Iraq is the degree to which people do return back to those communities. And we've seen really an uptick um, in the numbers of people returning with their families to places where USIP has been able to achieve peace agreements at the local level. And so that's a real, um, a real sign of progress in our minds. We're also working in Afghanistan, which is another place. Well, I, I think you make a good point about uh, the, the immigration uh, problem mm-hmm. around the world. You know, we're talking about it a lot in the United States with our southern border. But the, uh, the refugee crisis uh, stemming from uh, places like Syria, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, is a sig- significant impact not just on their locales, but uh, across Europe there's problems with refugee inflows. So... Uh, it's not just the violence uh, that occurs in some of these places, but the uh, uh, the second and third order consequences that that are uh, disruptive to uh, societies uh, near and far. Absolutely. And so we want to look at the root causes of conflict and instability in those places um, and look at the ripple effects, as you say, look at the ways in which they can destabilize their neighbors. You look at a place like Colombia that has been through decades of civil conflict um, and has achieved a peace process and a peace agreement in recent years, but now you have an influx of people from Venezuela and that could be very destabilizing in that region. And so we have to look not only at particular conflicts in regions or in countries, but also at the subregion um, and and the, the broader neighborhood context in which these places are situated. So, tick off if you could a list of uh, some of the the places where USIP is is at work today. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, we've been in Iraq for a long time. We've been in Afghanistan for a long time, working both on the peace process that's happening right now, providing support to policymakers who are engaged on that effort, but also working with universities in Afghanistan on conflict resolution programs and peace education programs so that young Afghans are gaining the skills they need to manage conflict in their own lives. We're working in Nigeria on interfaith cooperation to help um, deal with some of the the, um, flashpoints of conflict in that particular place working on an inclusive peace process in Colombia, working to promote tolerance in Pakistan, working on a variety of initiatives in Burma. Um, And I think those are the ones that come immediately to mind. We're working in other places in Africa as well, including in Sudan and South Sudan. Um, But we are, you know, we have programs in Asia, in the Middle East and Africa, um, and then in other places like Myanmar and in Colombia. So tell us uh, how USIP approaches a problem, uh, say, for example, in Myanmar or Nigeria. You 
you dispatch uh, people or you have uh, local uh, specialists on the ground or combination? Or? It looks different in each different context. But the first thing we do in every place we work is a conflict analysis. We try to really understand what's going on in a particular place. Um, what's immediately apparent may not actually be what's driving the conflict. So right. we, we try to understand what are the underlying issues, who are the stakeholders, um, who are the external parties who have interests, what's been tried before and hasn't worked. And so we really do start by listening and trying to understand what's happening, what are the dynamics in a particular place. And then we'll figure out what sort of intervention might be appropriate. Sometimes we're invited in, um, and sometimes our reputation precedes us in the sense that you know they, people will know that we trained a network of facilitators in Iraq, and so we've been able to apply a similar model in somewhere like Tunisia. Um, and so you know there are models that we apply in particular places. They look different in different contexts, um, but it always is very much driven by the local context and driven by what we're hearing from the people on the ground are their priorities in terms of moving out of conflict and into peace building. Well, this is terrific work, and uh, my hat's off to you and your colleagues for take, undertaking uh, this important aspect of uh, U.S. Uh, foreign policy and, and trying to build peace in places where it uh, doesn't exist. Now, let's talk about practical things. Uh, the USIP was established by Congress, and you're not uh, under a particular department or organization. You're, uh, it's it's an independent uh, entity, uh, and, and we've seen budget cuts and threats of budget cuts, and where do you all fit in the, the federal uh, bureaucracy up mm -hmm. there? So as I mentioned, USIP was created by Congress, and we were created to be an independent part of the government. So we are a resource for the government and for the people of this country, and it's our job to work for peace around the world. Um, we are independent in the sense that we are not part of the executive branch, and so we don't change when administrations change. We answer to Congress, um, but we do serve as a resource to each administration. We work closely with the State Department, the Defense Department, USAID, and other parts of the government. Um, and we are really known as a trusted resource on conflict resolution and peace building. It's our job to help the U.S. come up with nonviolent solutions and at least to have those be part of the mix. We don't make decisions on U.S. foreign policy. That's not our remit. Um, but we do serve as a resource, as I've said. Um, and I think our work is greatly appreciated in Congress. And we have strong bipartisan support. Um, and we continue to work to ensure that that remains the case. Um, budget processes are long and complicated each year. And so we submit a congressional budget justification to ask Congress for our budget each year. We justify the reasons why our work is valuable to U.S. national security and U.S. foreign policy. And we keep doing the good work that we do, and, and we find that it's of value. And so we will continue to do so. Well, uh, obviously a, a great uh, service to the country and, and to our, our partners around the world. And I, I recall General Mattis, uh, before he was Secretary of Defense, saying that if uh, the budget was cut for uh, soft power, things like diplomats and outreach and the kinds of efforts made by the U.S. Institute of Peace, he was going to need to buy more bullets. So uh, it's, it's telling that uh, even leaders in national security and defense appreciate the work that's being done on the soft power side of, uh, of the ledger to, uh, to build peace and uh, support uh, our efforts uh, that don't necessarily involve military intervention in places where uh, diplomats and USIP peace builders can go and, and prevent a conflict rather than trying to uh, clean up the mess afterwards. Uh, any last thoughts about uh, your visit to Nashville? I, I, I know that you're, 
you're taken with the place. You've had uh, hot chicken. You've uh, <laughs> been toured around. I have. I love this place. This is my third visit to Nashville in the last decade, but my second in the last year and a half, and I am sure that I'll be back. Um, I really enjoyed my time yesterday with the students at Centennial High School. They had some really interesting insights about the degree to which they learn about conflict at school, conflict around the world, the sources of conflict, the consequences of conflict, and almost never about conflict resolution and peace building. And so for them to hear about examples of peace building and practice is really eye-opening, and I think that's so important. Um, and it was terrific to be with some university students last night at Belmont University and to see some light bulbs go off as they were thinking about international careers and the, the very many different ways that you can live a global life, whether you live in Tennessee or in D.C. or anywhere else. Um, there are incredible opportunities to give back and to make a difference, um, and there are many ways to be a peace builder. Terrific. Well, thank you for visiting Nashville again and, and helping us uh, learn more about the U.S. Institute of Peace. And best wishes to you and your colleagues going forward. Thanks so much, Pat. You've been listening to the Global Tennessee Podcast brought to you by the Tennessee World Affairs Council. You can get more information about the council, our programs, and uh, resources at tnwac.org. We are a membership organization, so if you're interested in developing global literacy in your community uh, at large and especially among students, uh, high school students, college students, uh, please consider becoming a member of the World Affairs Council. You can do that on our website, or if you'd like to make a gift, you can donate as well. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan educational charity, and you can, uh, as much as anybody can anymore, write it off your taxes if you'd like to make a gift. So please consider doing that. That's how we keep the lights on, and we appreciate your support. Again, this is Patrick Ryan of the Tennessee World Affairs Council, and this is your Global Tennessee podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. This has been Global Tennessee from the World Affairs Council in cooperation with the Center for International Business at Belmont University and the International Business Council of the Nashville Area Chamber of Commerce. The executive producer of Global Tennessee is Patrick Ryan, senior producer Logan Monday, technical advisor Bill Ryan, and the voice of Global Tennessee as well as the Penn Jones Conspiracy. I'm Benjamin Olson. Visit tnwac.org podcast for more information.